We'll look at uh, Galatians 5 and then uh, James 4 if we have time. Let me make some announcements. One is this Saturday is Sharon's retirement party, and that's from 1230 to 3.30 here at the Ministry Center, open house format, but you do need to RSVP and you need to do that today. So you can RSVP at the information desk on the way out, or if you're on our email list, you received an email about that, it's just got a button you click, and then you're RSVP'd. But either way, you need to do that today. That's this Saturday. And then uh, in two weekends from now, we have the Trenton Summer Festival. It's actually Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We'll have a booth there. We need people in shifts of two hours to man the booth to give out uh, information about our church. So if you can help with that, then let them know at the information desk uh, before you leave today, preferably, so we can uh, put the, fill out the uh, schedule for that. And then in the middle of... Middle of July, July 12th, Saturday, July the 12th, is going to be our introducing CBC to the community. So I've stopped using grand opening uh, because our grand opening is not so grand. But So we could call it our not so grand opening, but it is really just us inviting the community here for them to know really that we're open for ministry. You may think that's obvious to anybody who lives in the neighborhood, but it's actually not. If you're not accustomed to going to an evangelical church, you don't even necessarily know. You can just walk in. Uh, do, you have to, do you have to be invited? Do you have to be part of the club? You, you, we know that's nonsense, but they don't. So they need to actually be invited, and they need to know that we are open for ministry. So that's our attempt to do that, and we're going to do that from 1 to 5 on July the 12th, that Saturday afternoon. We're going to offer uh, tours of our building. We'll have a, a bit of a festive atmosphere out the front here. Uh, we're going to be uh, hanging uh, door hangers in the neighborhood to invite people to that. So we'll need some foot soldiers uh, for that. So there are those two outreach initiatives. There's the Trenton Summer Festival in two weekends, manning the booth for uh, two-hour shifts. And then there is the handing out uh, door hangers, invitations to folks to our mid-July uh, introduction. So if you can help with that, if you're able-bodied and that would take you a couple hours on a Saturday, then that would be of great help. Give your name at the information desk. So all of this is pointing you to the information desk. If you can do or if you're interested in one or more of these, go to the information desk and let them know. Trenton Summer Festival, introduction to CBC, July 12th, and then August 10 through 14 is Vacation Bible School. And for that, we have been soliciting volunteers. We had a volunteer meeting a couple of weeks ago. It was very well attended, so... Uh, we, we have a number of you who have volunteered to be a part of that. A bunch of you were last year. I think 70, 70, 70 people participated in, uh, in putting together Vacation Bible School last year in various ways, snacks and decorations and, and acting and music and teaching and you name it. So thank you for that, and a bunch of you are raring to go again. If you want to be a part of that crew, though, I am told today is your last day to volunteer. So uh, because assignments are going to be given out and uh, practice is going to start with that. So if you want to be part of the crew in some capacity, turn your name in at the information desk. In fact, there's a table display out there and there are slips of paper there that are called volunteer registration forms. And there's a basket for you to put that in. So pick that form up, fill it out, and put it in that basket today. Otherwise, it's closed after today and assignments are going to start being given. Did I get that right? Okay, good. 
And then uh, family camp. Uh, some of us are going to family camp today. So after we are finished here, a bunch of us are heading over to the west side of the state, to Rothbury, to the Double J uh, Ranch, and looking forward to a good time. I'm telling you that because, one, if you're signed up for family camp and you forgot, you're leaving this afternoon. And, and two, those of you who are not, pray for the, those of us who are that we'll have a, a good time and a safe time together. All right. For the last few weeks, we have been looking at what I call uh, the personality of sin. And the idea there is that each of us sins in characteristic ways that fit our particular personality. We all sin, but we all sin differently. And the reason I've chosen the word personality is because, biblically, we are made in the image of God. And that image of God comes in two major categories. The first category is that we bear a moral resemblance to God. And we are to then think and talk and act as God would think and talk and act. We are to reflect God, God's character back to God. But being made in the image of God also means that we have a personal resemblance to God, a moral resemblance and a personal resemblance. The personal resemblance means this, that we are persons as is God. Animals are not persons. I know, I know, I get in trouble every time. I've got, I've got budding PETA members in the church here that attack me every time I say anything that, that gives a discontinuity between humanity and animals because I know your Fido is just like one of your kids, okay? But not really. And do doggies go to heaven? I'm not answering that. Okay? For my own safety. But we, humanity, are unique. And on a very serious note, maintaining that uniqueness of humanity is extremely important. Because the truth is we kill and eat animals. But if you don't make that distinction, then it'll be okay to kill people. And it is, isn't it? It's okay in our day to kill unborn life, preborn life. And that's because there has been this worldview shift with regard to what humanity is. So humanity is set apart from the rest of creation. It's set apart in that it's made in the image of God and it has this moral resemblance to God, but then a personal resemblance. We are persons as is God. And the faculties, the components of personhood are that we can think and we can act and we can feel. That is, we have intellectual capacity, we have volitional capacity, and we have emotional capacity, all three of those. So we can think, we can act, and we can emote, we can feel. And we can, as persons can do all kinds of those. So when I talk about the personality of sin, then, I'm talking about the characteristic way in which you sin and I sin. And we will tend to sin either with our minds, with our actions, or with our, with our emotions. Now, that's a simplistic way of putting it, but let me put it another way. We will primarily manifest our sin, depending on our personality, in one of those ways. And people are different. Uh, and because they have these different personalities, they manifest the way they sin. We manifest the way we sin in those different ways, intellectually, volitionally, or um, emotionally. So we sin by nature, but we have a natural way to sin. 
either through our mind, our will, or our motion. So that's our natural disposition. But then there is the nurture that we've received in just what was modeled to us in our upbringing. And that affects the characteristics, characteristic ways we sin also. So I have a particular personality. I'm a more thinking-oriented person. I'm a more action-oriented person, or I'm a more feeling-oriented person. That affects the way I sin. But then there is my nurture and what was modeled in front of me, and that also will affect the way I sin. So here's what that means. Every individual needs a baggage check. And most of us have never done a baggage check of ourselves. And every couple needs two baggage checks. Because now you've brought these two people together, each with their baggage. So you've got him, you've got her, you've got him with his characteristic ways of sinning because of his nature and nurture, and you've got her with her characteristic ways, nature and nurture, and you put them together and nobody does a baggage check. So here's what happens. The couple gets together, and each of them makes the assumption that any deviation from the norm is your problem. Now, deviation from the norm. And what might the norm be? Well, of course, that would be what I brought into the marriage. So there's me that is the standard, and then there's you who are clearly not meeting it. So I get people who come to me and say, I want marriage counseling. And as they talk, it's, it becomes clear. And this happens almost every time. They don't want marriage counseling. They want counseling for their spouse. When, Sh- when Sharon said, you know, James wasn't changing, right? But that's, is it? When you first come, that's what you want. The deal is, I already know the deal, Pastor. I'm just informing you what the deal is. It's amazing. People come to me for counseling, and they do all the talking. And they tell me what the deal is. And I'm simply enlisting you as an ally in this holy war against this person who refuses to live up to God's standard, which just happens to have my name on it. And we chuckle, but that is what folks do. No baggage check. I bring my baggage in, and I'm cool with my baggage. And so you need to accommodate my baggage. And really what needs to happen is you shouldn't be, I shouldn't be, none of us should be okay with our baggage. From a biblical standpoint, our baggage includes our sin. And it includes our characteristic ways of sinning. You shouldn't be okay as a Christian ever with where you are. And if you've never done a baggage check, then you certainly should not be content with where you are. Because you have brought stuff along with you for your 30 years or 40 years or 60 years, and that has never been checked and checked intensely. So when I say every person needs to do a baggage check and every couple 
desperately needs a baggage check for both of them and then to compare and contrast their baggage so that now together we can help each other where we struggle and we can use our strengths to fortify the weaknesses of our spouse. That's the way a marriage ought to go. So everybody needs a baggage check so that we can identify what some authors call our characteristic flesh. Now, some of you know that the word flesh in some translations of the Bible refers to our sin nature. It doesn't refer to your physical body, but rather to your sin nature. In the NIV, it uses the phrase sin nature for the Greek word sarx. So instead of flesh, it says sin nature. But characteristic flesh or characteristic sin nature, the characteristic ways that you sin that are affected by your nature, your personality, and then also your, your nurture. Now, here's the important thing. Whether you characteristically sin through your thinking, through your words and deeds, both of those I'm putting under the category of your actions, so thoughts, deeds, that would be words and, and act, acts, or emotions, whether your characteristic way of sinning is in either of those categories, here's what's really important for you to understand. That those are merely the fruit of your sin and not the root of your sin. That the, when, when someone comes for counsel for a problem, what they will present to me is, without fail, their presenting problem. Do you know what I mean by that? This is their presentation of the problem. And it's the way the problem presents itself to them and to other people who know them and see them in action. It's their presenting problem. So this is what they know about it because it's the above ground. It's the fruit stuff. But the, I always am prepared for them to tell me what the presenting problem is, but my objective then over time with them is to get not the fruit, which is what they're presenting, I blow up, I kill people, I, I, you know, whatever it is. That's the fruit, but there's a root to that. So whether your characteristic sin, your characteristic way of sinning, your characteristic flesh, sin nature, is through th- your thoughts, through your deeds, through your, through your emotions, what you need to understand is that, that is, those are all just the fruit, they are not the root. The root is something else. And the root is in Galatians 5 and throughout Scripture. But in Galatians 5, that I ask you to turn to, in verse 16, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. There's the root. It is the desires of the sinful nature. And the desires of the sinful nature gives rise to the manifestations of the sinful nature, the presentation of the sinful nature. Whether in thoughts, whether in words, deeds, emotions. But the root, the real root of the sin is in the desires. I say, verse 16, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit 
And the spirit, and you could supply the word there, desires, then. The spirit desires what is contrary to what the sinful nature desires. So you have two competing sets of desires. But what we do is we look at the fruit of those desires and we say, fix that. Now, there are lots of ways to fix that. And if all you want to do is get a handle on that, then you can, you can come up with a number of methods for doing so. So let's say that is your presenting problem is anger. I get angry. I yell at my children. I yell at my spouse. I engage in road rage. I occasionally pummel someone. You know, whatever it manifests, however it manifests itself. So the problem is anger. And if you want to just fix that without getting to the root, you will use terms like anger what? Anybody fill in the blank? Right? Now, dear friends, here's what you need to, here's what we need to understand. God is not interested in sin management. God is interested in sin eradication, mortifying, killing the desires of the flesh. Now, a lot of Christian counsel will give you methods for you to control the activities. Control your tongue. Control your actions. So manage what you're doing. But never get to the desires that underlie those. But the Bible says the root of it, no matter how it manifests itself, is always in our, always in our desires. So what can I do to figure that out? What can you do or what could a brother or sister do to help you figure that out? And I have two things to suggest for you, to you for that. Go long, I'll explain these, go long and go deep. Okay? Now when I say go long, here's what I mean. Go a long way back. Do the baggage check. It means go long into your past and take the time to think about the journey that has contributed to making you who you are. So I give people a timeline. And I give them a timeline with just periods of their life and categories of things for them to identify. Significant emotional events. That's one category. Significant emotional events. So my parents got a divorce when I was 12. Let's say. I'm, not, I'm just saying I, my parents never divorced, but if my parents got divorced at 12, that can be a significant emotional event. And the idea there is to, for, the, for the individual to notice how things changed for them in the aftermath of that significant emotional event. My parents got a divorce, some, some other kind of traumatic thing. I was hospitalized. I had an illness. Um, I changed schools frequently, let's just say. And it was really hard for me because I tend to be an introvert and it's hard for me to make friends with people, but my parents kept moving and, you know, or I got in trouble 
at one school and had to move to another school, so I had this volatile, kind of unstable childhood. And then going into adulthood, my mother died at age 21. I'm just making stuff up. But you see how somebody doing that, they could begin to see these are things that happened in my life, and then we can talk about how you reacted to those things that have happened in your life and how that has continued to create baggage for you these many years later. So in going long, a timeline of significant emotional event, events. But also, I ask that you write down the, the happy moments that you remember and the very sad moments. Now, some of those will be these significant emotional events. Some of them won't be. But in particular, those three things as part of going long, going back, thinking about yourself in ways that are as objective as possible as you lay this timeline out and see events that have contributed to who you've become. And you've had reactions to all of those. You've had reactions to those significant emotional events. You've had reactions to those happy events. You've had reactions to those sad events. And they have helped shape you. But you haven't really thought about it, how they've shaped you, and what you might be carrying with you over that period of time. So the first thing you do is you go long. And then the second thing you do is go deep. Having gone long, having identified those things then, You zero in on some of what you are carrying with you from one or more of those things. And many people are walking around with baggage that they're carrying with them, but it is unanalyzed baggage. It's never gone through the scanner. There's a bomb in there. It's ready to go off. You want the metal detector to get this. And when I say go deep, I'm talking about putting it under examination now. Because it's showing up, the stuff that has happened that you've been carrying with you and you've never analyzed is showing up now. And going deep means looking at what's happening now. What's going on in your relationships? Very often it's in your home. The home is the crucible in which the Christian life is lived out. Because the home is where you really are, where the real you really is. That's where it's really lived out. And God sweats the details. God cares about the small stuff that's going on in your home. So we go deep on the stuff that's happening there. Now, that means this. I've got undergoing deep. I've got four categories to help you analyze that. The first one is this, the situation, or in the form of a question, what is going on? The situation. So just what's going on, okay? So in your life right now, and in particular in your family, what is going on? And how are your interactions going? How are your relationships going? In general, but... If you have a family, particularly focus on that. What is going on? And so that's this fruit. That's this presenting problem. Well, we don't get along. 
Well, we don't see eye to eye about these 50 things. And so this is, this is what's going on. But then the second thing is this. What do you do in response to what's going on? So there's the situation, and then there's your response. Put in the form of a question, what do you do? What words do you speak? What actions do you take? That's all under the category of do. So there's what's going on in my life. There's the situation. There's the where typically the problems arise for me. And it's the reason that I'm talking to you. <laughs> because I've got these problems. And they show up in these ways. That's what's going on. But then what do you do in response to what's going on? How do you talk? And what actions do you take? And then thirdly, as you go deep, it's not just the situation, it's not just the response, but then it is your thoughts. Your response is your words and your actions, but then in this third category, you're asking, being asked, what do you think about what is going on? And that gets to your thoughts and your feelings about what's happening. And then the fourth category is this. Because remember I said at the very root is the desires. That's what Galatians 5 says. So the fourth category is this. You ask yourself the question, what do I want out of this? Notice the word want. Or you could say, what do I desire out of this? Now, that will then be revealing. That will begin to reveal for you what root issue or issues that you are carrying around in terms of your desires, your wants. And that is what gives rise to the fruit, the way I think and feel, my words and my actions, and the situation then that I find myself in. So you're kind of going backwards in order to get at the, the root. And that last question then is, what do I desire out of this? What do I want out of this? It gets to the motivation issue. So if you're a married couple, I say this to you. You're complaining about your spouse. And when we get to what do you want out of the, this marriage and out of what's going on in this marriage, one of the things that I will ask you is this. I'll throw out a name that nobody has here, uh, Jedediah. There are no Jedediahs here, right? All right. So, wife of Jedediah, what do you want for this marriage? And let me be more specific. What do you want for Jedediah, your husband? And wife of Jedediah, I'm asking you what you want for him rather than what you want from him. You all see the difference? Because when we get into a relationship, we become animated, motivated, by what we want from the other person for us. And when the other person is not providing what we want for us, then it gives rise to this fruit 
So now I want to ask you, what do you want for this person rather than from this person? And if we switch that now to what I want for them rather than from them, now when we talk, our conversations, get this, will not be primarily about them and what a crumb he or she is. They'll be primarily about you and how you can become more like Jesus in the life of the people that he's placed you with, including your spouse. Now, that's what, I, that's what I try to get to then. What do you want for, if it's a relational issue, what do you want for them rather than what you want from them? Now, think about the logic of that for the next two minutes. The truth is, we have relational problems, and yet we foolishly, understandably, but foolishly, we go and seek help to change the other person. And so it's like the gal who got married. Some of you have heard me say this. But uh, when she got married, she was really nervous about the wedding ceremony. And the pastor, you know, there's all kinds of things. You're going to have to get the flowers, and you're going to have to, when you go up at the right time, and you're going to have to have, hand it off to your bridesmaid, and you're going to have to take a step up to the platform, and just all these mechanical things, and you're just scared to death. And so the pastor says, look, uh, just remember these three things. Aisle, that means you walk up the aisle. And then uh, there'll be a change in key on the organ. And so that's when you hand the flowers. And then there's going to be a hymn. And that'll be the end of the ceremony. If you'll remember those things, it'll help you. Aisle. She just kept saying this to herself. Aisle, change, hymn. (laughs) And as she's walking up, she's saying to herself, Aisle, change, hymn. And the truth is, many a husband and wife have been muttering that for the entirety of their marriage. But the logic of this, what do you want for rather than from, is you are usurping the work of God Almighty when you're seeking to change someone else. What we need to work on is changing you. And as we change you, and then as your spouse, by God's grace, desires to be changed his or herself, now we got something to work with, right? Now we got, I'm going to embarrass you guys one last time, now we got James and Sharon Sternberg. Because instead of now, I want you to work on him, I want you to work on her, I want to work on me, and then we want to work together. We do that, now we can move forward, okay? So, we will ferret that out some more going forward, but... For now, that's how you identify your characteristic ways of sinning. Go long, go deep. Timeline, significant emotional events, sad and happy events in your life that give you a clue as to what you've been carrying with you. And then look at what's going on now. That's the going deep part. And then those four subcategories. What's the situation? That is, what's going on? And what do you do in response to what is going on? What do you think and feel about what's going on? And then what do you want? What do you, do, what do you desire out of what's going on? Let's ask God to help us this week. Think about putting those into practice in your life, and your relationships. Let's ask the Lord to bring us back together next Lord's Day. Father, we thank you for this day and the blessings of this day. 
to be able to sing praise to you, to be able to fellowship together, to encourage and be encouraged. But Lord, thank you as well for the demonstration of the move of your spirit that we have seen on the hearts of your people to please you, to thereby eradicate sin so that we can please you. I thank you for the courage of the men who, who warned and confessed this morning. I thank you for the courage of young people who in this hour now are handling some difficult issues in our, in our, in our youth group. But Lord God, all of this is because you are on your throne. You are overseeing the well-being of your people and overseeing the well-being of your church. And so, Lord, we profoundly, profoundly thank you. Lord, I need my sin revealed. We need our sin revealed. Because even though it hurts, it is always for the purpose of healing in the hands of our Heavenly Father. And so, therefore, help us to be people who do not cover, do not hide, are not defensive. But rather, Lord, we are asking you, show me, Lord. See if there be any wicked way in me so that I can eradicate that, so that I can be a better vessel for the pleasure of the Master. That we together can be as your church, a community of people who are striving to be like Christ. And so, Lord, we thank you. We rejoice. We ask you to help us this week to rejoice in what you have done and what you are doing. In our own lives, Lord, help us to use these tools to identify where we've come from and what we're struggling with in the present and how it's affecting us, and perhaps inhibiting us from serving you uh, as fully as we, as we might. Help us to do that this week. Help us to do that in conjunction with our families even. And Lord, help us to uh, uh, accomplish for you this week what you have for us in the various spheres that you have placed us. And we ask you to grant us safety and return next Lord's Day. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.